Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Hey, good morning, everyone. Today is Friday, and it is the first Friday of November. Woohoo! So I am here with my wonderful co-host. My name is Karen Gibis, and we are in uh, the Chancery of the Rapid City Diocese Chancery, new building in a wonderful little corner of the Chancery, and... Brand spanking new meeting room. Brand spanking new. It kind of has that new new car smell. It new, does. New room smell. There isn't even art on the walls yet. Oh, wow. I didn't even notice that. Right? It's all on the floor. It's There is. There's, guys, there's <laughs> pictures on the floor. There's a Diocese of Rapid City map. Well, my co-host is... Go ahead. Becky Barrett. I am the uh, media specialist for the Diocese of Rapid City, which means I do all kinds of fun stuff. The live streaming, the social media, the website. And now you get to be on the radio. And now the radio. Very exciting. Yeah. Does this get to go on your? Are you like going to put it on your resume? I totally should. You totally should. Co-host for co-host. Real Presence Live, part of the Real Presence Radio Network that reaches over five states. Exactly. That sounds pretty big. It does. Yeah. Now you're making me nervous. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I won't even tell you how many people are listening. It's like six, but that's cool. That makes it better. That does. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Hello, everybody. Six people. <laughs> I think that would be my family. So I guess if, if there's more than my kids listening, there's probably 10 people listening. Oh, oh, 10 people. It's getting better. I like it. It's because we're going to have such a great show by the end. It's going to be like 4,000. Right. And they're going to be like, who was that? Yeah. They're going to be like, bring Becky back. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get a whole bunch of hits on your social media overnight. Like, You're going to become a star. She, right. A star. That's okay. You're okay with that? I'm okay with that. Yeah. Okay. Well, it is time for our first guest. And I am, first of all, I am so excited about the show. We have such amazing guests lined up and topics that, things that I really don't know that much about. And so I'm going to learn right along with our listeners. Sounds great. So, Becky, do you want to introduce our first guest? Well, our first guest is Father Jacob Boddicker. Um He uh, is uh, really taken social media and embraced it during this pandemic and um father Boddicker, would you uh introduce us tell us about yourself um is it father sure. jacob or father Boddicker? um i've been called either and worse all right <laughs> <laughs> that's great but, uh, father jacob's easier to say all right yeah so i'm father jacob Boddicker. i'm a jesuit priest on the rosebud indian reservation in south dakota um, I'm the pastor of two parishes, one in Mission, South Dakota, and one in White River, and uh, originally from eastern Iowa. Okay, well, that's really cool. Now, could you um, tell our listeners, just uh, because I'm sure a lot of them aren't familiar with the Rosebud Indian Reservation, can you just tell them a little bit where that is somewhat situated in the state, and then kind of what how big it is so that they get an idea of who you, you know, the area of which you minister to. Yeah, so the, the reservation proper is 
basically all of Todd County, which is in the southernmost central part of the state, uh, right above, like, Valentine, Nebraska, and uh, kind of that area. I think the population's about 20,000, but they're all spread out in uh, tiny little communities throughout the reservation. Um, Mission is the one of the, the bigger of the two communities. I'd say Rosebud itself is probably the, the next. Um, it's mostly the Sachangu band of the Lakota tribe that uh, live on the reservation, and those are the people that we serve. But we also serve a lot of um, non-native ranch folk in the area. Um, so it's a, it's a mix. And the Jesuits have been there, I think, since about 1886 or so, late the 1880s, uh, invited there by Chief Spotted Tail uh, to educate their youth. And so that was the beginnings of the Catholic Church there. And we've currently uh, got five parishes uh, that are active there on the reservation. I've got two, and another Jesuit has three. We have a small school and uh, dental clinics and do all sorts of other little things around the reservation uh, to do what we can to be of help to the people there. Well, that is absolutely um, amazing, and the work that you guys are doing is crucial to um, not only to the Rapid City Diocese, but to the people who do live on Rosebud on the Indian Reservation there. Now, I think that with the way that um, the coronavirus has really disrupted our normal lives, I would say that you probably had to be really creative with the way that you had to minister to all of your parishioners. So there's like... You you did this really cool thing where you were reaching out to people through social media, correct? Right. Yeah. Okay. So how did that get started? Like there, like did you just like wake up one day and decide, okay, that's it. It's time to get on social media, and I need to reach my people and everyone else across the Facebook platform or wherever your your social media. Yeah. Um. I first. Well, I've, I've been on social media for a while now, mostly Facebook. Um, I got on Instagram around Thanksgiving of last year after uh, somebody I'm spiritual director for insisted that I do so just because I post a lot of photographs of the reservation and my life there and what I'm up to. And, and they thought, oh, you need to get this on Instagram and a lot more people will see it. And... Um, see what you're doing there and see how beautiful the reservation is. So uh, she set me up with an Instagram account, and that's how I got on that. But when uh, coronavirus started, you know, everybody thought, no, this is going to be a month, and then it'll be over. And then one month became two. And so when Holy Week rolled around and we still weren't able to have masks, I wasn't able to go to the jail anymore to do Bible study there. I wasn't able to go to the nursing home, offer mass, and visit the people there. I decided I need to figure out a way to at least be able to get our Holy Week masses and liturgies on the Internet so that my parishioners can participate and see and uh, pray along. And I was able to borrow a, a cell phone that... A parishioner had it, wasn't using it, had unlimited data, because none of my churches have Internet uh, on their own. And I just set up my laptop and got a couple of parishioners to help with readings and stuff and uh, did 
Holy Thursday from one church, Good Friday from another. Since I didn't have a lot of people available, I just did kind of the readings for Easter Vigil and decorated the church nice and gave a homily. And then Easter, that night, it snowed really bad, so I had to do Easter Sunday from the chapel in our house. Uh, our, snow, our driveway was all snowed in. But what I noticed is not only were people from my parishes watching those, but really people from all over the world started watching. I was getting comments from the Philippines and Singapore um, and all over the United States. And so I, I kept doing that every Sunday, showing uh, Mass and uh, offering that. And I've continued to do so uh, ever since. But then I also, as the months crawled tight, and again, I continued to be very limited in what I was able to do in my ministry, I decided to, uh, to do other things too, like my uh, my now famous ironing videos. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I, once in a while, I have altar linens that need ironing, and that's that usually takes a couple hours. And so I thought at one point, um, you know, why not do a live video and just have people ask questions? So while I'm ironing, I can answer questions about the faith and talk about things. And so I, I just went live one time and just waited to see who popped on and all sorts of people on Facebook popped on and were asking questions. And before you know it, I'd been talking for two, two and a half hours and I'd gotten all my ironing done. And uh, so I'll try it once a week or so to get online like that just to be available because uh, I've found not only have people been deprived of the sacraments and mass during coronavirus, but they've also had a difficult time getting uh, in touch with their priests. And even when we don't have coronavirus, sometimes priests are, are very unavailable just because they're, they're so busy and there's so many demands. They don't have time to sit down and just talk about questions that people have. And so I think people really enjoyed having access to a priest um, who could just answer the questions they've kind of had or things they've been curious about. Um, both Catholic and non-Catholic alike. So when you're doing all of this, do you ever encounter any negativity? Like, how do you combat that kind of negativity when you encounter it? I haven't encountered it on my videos before, but I definitely encounter it on Facebook. Um, and people can be hostile or mean toward me for a multitude of reasons, everything from being Catholic to be a Jesuit, <laughs> you know, they're either have to, for whatever reason, uh, have some hostility towards me just for being a Jesuit. But I'm... Um... Oh. Lost him. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think... Um... Oh, no, I am. <laughs> and two, Jesus said that we would meet hostility. And so not to let that discourage you from sharing the faith and being present in the world and online, um, but to realize when somebody gets angry at you, when they're hostile toward you, just for your faith, you're sharing in the passion of Jesus. And just as Jesus was merciful toward those who were persecuting him, 
you know, we need to be merciful toward them, and it may be the first mercy they experience in their life. And hopefully the whole plan is... Well, Father, uh, you're, Father, you're breaking up for us, but I think we got the general idea of your your statement there. Um, so now, everything that we share on Facebook, I mean, it it should reflect our Catholic faith. It should reflect the truth, the truth that is never changes. And sometimes you find um, that someone posts something that maybe challenges that truth. How do you? approach that i mean you said just do mercy you know to to show mercy and forgiveness and things like that but how do you personally approach someone who is maybe confused or maybe on purpose spreading lies that you want to maybe show that no that's not what catholics are or that's not what a jesuit is that's not who we are how do you do that do you just gently or do you go in like a lion (laughs) Yeah, I think it really, first of all, it depends on what what it is. If it's a Catholic who says, oh, you know, I believe this, that, or the other thing, that isn't really what we believe. Um, you know, as a priest, to come in and say, you know, I'm Father So-and-so, and I just wanted to share with you, here's what the Church actually teaches, and maybe show something from the Catechism, so it's less like you coming at them, but you're like, Here, here's what the Church actually teaches, and... To be patient, because I know I was really poorly catechized growing up, and a lot of Catholics don't have a strong grasp of what the Church teaches about everything. And so they have impressions or ideas, or, well, this priest said that, or this person said that. And so to be patient, um, and to try and present it as um, kind of politely, charitably as possible, assuming they have good intentions, rather than assuming they intend to go against the faith or believe something contrary. Uh, now, if they come off very hostile or, or maybe it's somebody who's anti-Catholic in the first place, you have to really decide, is this a discussion I really need to get into? Yeah. Uh, right. is, is it worth it? Um, and if, if so, it might be best to engage that person privately through a message rather than let's duke this out here in the public square. Um, because if somebody is anti-Catholic, uh, odds are nothing you say is going to change their mind because they've already made it up. Right. And to remember, like, you know, we have a, a, a duty and obligation to share the faith, but if there's somebody who already hates us for no reason other than we're Catholic and they think we're wrong, odds are your words aren't going to change their minds, but you living out your faith in a joyful, faithful manner is going to change the minds of all sorts of people who have ideas about the Catholic Church. Right. And it never hurts to offer a prayer for them. Right. No, never. (laughs) Well, we need to take a quick break, and Father Jacob will be with us when we come back from the break. So stay tuned, and when we get back, we're going to hear from another guest, and Father Jacob and Kathy are going to talk about some really interesting, amazing things. So stay tuned with us. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network.
It's a great time to spring into summer at Riverview Senior Living Community in Fargo. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director. We are currently accepting new independent and assisted living residents. Riverview provides a safe, comfortable place to live with a small town Main Street feel with home-cooked food, a la carte care services, daily activities, and mass five days a week. You can contact Marin or Katie to find out about all that Riverview has to offer at 701-237-4700 or at homeishere.org. How do you know when someone may be contemplating suicide? I'm Father Chris Alar. This person will often exhibit certain warning signs, indicators such as their talk, like killing themselves or having no purpose in life, their behavior, like drug abuse, withdrawal from others, or abnormal sleep patterns, or their mood, like being depressed or having anxiety, can all be warning signs. So mental health professionals are now encouraging you to engage in dialogue with those who appear to be at risk. By talking openly about suicide, asking if they are okay, and listening to their feelings, you may save their life. To find out more, please visit suicideandhope.com. So I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. As a sole provider, the needs of my growing family are something I pray for daily. I know continuing my education will benefit my family in the end, but I worry about what I'll miss while doing so. University of Mary knows that choosing to continue your education at this point in life can be both challenging and rewarding. That's why we've created a robust portfolio of truly affordable, truly flexible, and truly formative online programs to make choosing easy. Visit us at catholicprofessional.life. That's dot L-I-F-E. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Hey, we are back here at the Rapid City Diocese Chancery on in their new location in Rapid City. It's a brand spanking new room. Still got the new, new room, new car smell. We are having fun. Uh, I'm Karen Gibis, and I'm here with Becky Barrett, and we are going to step in with another guest. Do you want to introduce our guest? Sure, sure. Our new, new, Talking is hard this morning. Wow, okay. Didn't Coffee. Get, yeah, didn't get that. Need it. Um, so our next guest, or our additional guest, is Kathy Cortez. She is the archivist for the Diocese of Rapid City. And uh, we're bringing her in because another important ministry that we have in the diocese and Father Boddicker is a part of is uh, the archi- archiving and, and museums and what they mean for the diocese and what they mean for even the reservations. Um, so, uh, Kathy, why don't we start with you? Um, okay. uh, can you tell us some of the differences between archives and museums? Well, what they say, and as an archivist, that... All museums have archives, but not all archives are museums, which in our case here at the diocese, we specifically in Rapid City are not a museum because we don't have the space, we don't have the money, we don't have the equipment to help people um, redo their research, do their genealogical (laughs) research, that kind of thing. So we are not open to the public. A museum means you are open to the public, that they can, you can display these artifacts. And that's where Father Jacob and then, um, 
the museum on Red, uh, Red Cloud come in, they have beautiful museums. They are open to the public normally, not under pandemic circumstances. <laughs> and they have beautiful archives, beautiful artifacts on display. But they all, they have an archive somewhere. Someone is keeping track of all their inventory, their archives, preserving their artifacts for future uses. And um, that's basically the difference between the two of us. Father Jacob, can you tell us about some of the things in your museum about your museum? Yeah, our museum, uh, I think, was built in the late 40s uh, in honor of Father Eugene Beekel, who was a Jesuit from Germany, uh, served many years on both the Pine Ridge and Rosebud Reservation, was a master of the Lakota language, um, compiled and, and composed the first Lakota English Dictionary, wrote a Bible history in Lakota, uh, was an amazing man and, and loved the Native culture and was uh, a key figure in helping preserve not only the language but um, many artifacts in the, the areas of Rosebud. People would bring him things that belonged to their grandparents and great-grandparents that were made on the, the Rosebud, and they wanted them to stay on the Rosebud. Because you can go to the Smithsonian and lots of different museums, and they have amazing artifacts on display, but they're no longer in their cultural context. And so the artifacts that we have on display and in our, our vault, um, they were made on the Rosebud, used on the Rosebud, they stay on the Rosebud. And so they're there for the people there to enjoy um, and to appreciate, to see, like, this is part of our heritage. Uh, so some of the things we have on display, we have... Um, everything from star quilts to uh, different items of Lakota clothing, both men and women. Uh, there's a, a special kind of buckskin shirt that has strands of, of human hair on it. And I've, I've heard different interpretations of what it is. You look it up on the Internet, it says it's a scalp shirt, um, claiming that they're hair from, from people defeated in battle. But what I've heard mostly is, um, there's strands of hair from probably the, the family and friends and members of the tribe that this man um, saw as his duty to protect. And so it's a reminder, these are the people that I carry with me in my heart. When I go into battle, these are the people that I'm serving and protecting. Um, and you see all sorts of examples of beadwork and quill work, uh, really intricate little details on, on clothing items like that. Uh, we also have beaded moccasins. Um, pipes of, of different shapes and designs. Um, we even have a guitar that was given to us uh, by Johnny Cash when he had a concert on the Rosebud in 83, I think. Oh, wow. It's a really nice Martin that has his airline tags on it and everything. Um, now, do you have any um, Catholic <laughs> uh, items in there or Jesuit-oriented uh, items yeah, in there? Yeah, we do. Yeah, so there's a couple of pictures that you'll you'll see out and about of Black Elk pointing at this kind of diagram, and it's uh, called the Two Roads Catechism, and we have one of those on display, and you can see it starts with the creation story, and then the fall, and then there's these kind of two roads that lead one to heaven, one to hell, and you can see little figures on each side, and it kind of goes through the history of mankind and salvation. And it was meant as kind of a visual catechism to teach people, you know, how to live a virtuous Christian life and, and go to heaven and, and how not to live and end up in the other place. Um, there's also, next to the museum, 
one of our old churches we pulled off the prairie, I think, in the 70s, and set up, and you can go inside and see what one of these little prairie churches looked like with a, a little organ that you pump the, the bellows with your feet. Uh, there's a wood-burning stove in there, uh, an old altar, and examples of some of the things that were used in the churches and um, a couple of beaded uh, priest stoles and things like that. Uh, so there's also a share of some Catholic artifacts on display as well. Wow. I haven't seen one of those organs in a long time. Um, I think the yeah. last one I saw was at a museum like that. <laughs> um, now, do you two ever, have you ever worked together on any projects or? Well, interestingly enough, the first time I met Father Jacob, he walked into my office and he saw a photo and he said, that's my church in Sacred Heart. That's Sacred Heart. And I'm like, I, out of, I put, I post random pictures around my office because I don't know the story. I don't know the history. There's nothing written back on it. There's no year. So people will walk in and Father Jacob did it. Hey, I know this photo. So that is a great way to, for us to identify photos that are not, um, easily identified. And that's the first time I met Father Jacob. And, and we spent quite a bit of time in the archives that day. And he's just going through, wow, look at this old photo. Wow, look. <laughs> so so um, the, it's very interesting to, uh, especially to post those random photos. I've had that happen a number of times where people say, oh, this is, such, this is Father such and such. And I'm like, we have no record of him. So tell me the story. So that is one way that... Um, that we can identify things is just to have them sitting around posting that kind of thing. We do throwback Thursday. Yeah. I do a throwback Thursday on Facebook posting these kind of pictures that anybody know who this is? Can anybody identify this boy? And his mom, we posted a picture of a young boy with Bishop Supich and he was actually holding um, Bishop's cross and I'm like, okay, anybody identify this young man? And his mom and family came forward and said, I don't have that photo. I love it, you know, and on and on, and we know the story. So that's kind of one one really awesome thing that's come about on our Facebook um, a throwback Thursdays is I'm like, if I don't know this priest, I'll post it, and somebody will always come forward and say, this is such and such, he did my communion, or he, he confirmed me in lead or something like that, so... Yeah, well, that's really awesome. Well, Father, um, you have um, a couple of minutes. Is there anything else you'd like to say or um, thank Kathy for her wonderful work in the archives? <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, something like an archives for a diocese is, is often, I think, underappreciated because we often think of archives as like, oh, they've got all the disciplinary files and... Uh, financial stuff and, and just kind of like a storage space for important paperwork. But we forget how important, especially as Catholics, our history is. And that's where something like the Beacon Museum on the Rosebud, the Red Cloud Museum, and the Dawson Archives be helpful because we often forget we're, we're the benefactors of a long history of Catholicism in South Dakota and whatever diocese you find yourself in. And it's important to remember that history and to look back and see, you know, how these pioneering priests and nuns and lay people built the church that we kind of take for granted today. And I think as uh, an archivist for the diocese or, or me as kind of a, an amateur archival sleuth, 
So kind of bring that history forward so that people can appreciate it and celebrate it and see themselves as part of a legacy and, like, you have a responsibility to build on to this and to not let the hard work of all these past people just kind of fade away into nothing. Well, that is absolutely, you know, priceless in all forms because if we can't remember our past and we can't preserve the past, then the future really doesn't look as, as uh, I guess, cher- we can't cherish the future without knowing where right. we've come from. So, well, Father, I appreciate you taking time out of your your day and your morning to come be with us here on Real Presence Live. And we'd love to have you back again. So, you know, if you keep ironing and, you know, you just come up with this wonderful idea as somebody asks you a question and you think, hey, we need to get that out on the radio and talk about that. Just, you know. Give us a call. Yeah, let Becky know and we'll have you back here on Real Presence Live anytime. My pleasure. All right, thank you. Well, Kathy, you are going to stay with us and be in the part of our next interview and talk about a little bit about the work that you do here in the Diocese of Rapid City and and some of the amazing finds that you exciting exciting. I mean, okay, I have <laughs> she's to say, got good stories. I have to say that this is probably going to be. I mean, okay, the bishop is going to be on, and no offense to the bishop, he's pretty important and all that. But this is. <laughs> This is the interview. She has been waiting for you. That I have been waiting for all week because I I love history. I love the idea of preserving the past. And not only that, but teaching the youth and sharing those things with, with, uh, you know, not only just our listeners in general, but with the people who it matters and impacts most. So I I hope that you, you you won't be worried about sharing all these fun things. No, we're ready to go. We've no got some pressure. exciting stories. No pressure. Lots to share. No pressure. It's just the three of us, right? Right? Yeah. And her kids. Yeah. And my kids. And her kids. Yeah. And, and I kids. take my coffee black. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone is listening, Kathy takes her coffee black. Well, we have just touched a little bit on what Kathy has to offer, and some of her stories we'll be sharing when we come back. But right now, we're going to take a break, and on the other side of the break, you will be entertained and Stay tuned because it's only going to get better from here. Take care. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 